Well, this morning, um, <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about the king and his kingdom. And I've kind of broken that up, if, uh, uh, if you put that on the big screen. Uh, I've kind of broken it up like this, uh, Jesus' life and his miracles. In other words, demonstrating the kingdom. And then actually enter the kingdom, us entering the kingdom, an invitation, I would call it. And three, the qualifications to enter the kingdom. And four, living the kingdom. And I figured that each one of these should take about a half an hour, and then I think we'll be out of here. So, no, not really. You know, they always say, well, just don't preach so long that the roast gets burnt. Well, just, just nuke it, right? Go home and nuke it. All right, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word is alive and living. And it came down to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give these messages to us, Lord. And they're clear and concise, and they're for us, and you have invited us, Lord, into your kingdom. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you. And as Sam prayed, let us have willing hearts, open hearts to hear the word of God today. We thank you, we praise you, and glorify you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Well, when Jesus came into the world, and obviously just his, na- his life demonstrated the kingdom. You know, he said one time, my kingdom is not of this world. And he just went about living a life. We would call it miracles, all the miracles that he did, but really that was his natural life. But, you know, he came in geology. If you read the first part of Matthew, you'll see the geology of Jesus Christ came down. He had grandparents, great-parents, great-great-grandparents, and so on and so forth. He didn't come as a wisp of smoke. He came as a man. He came in a nine-month gestation period, just like you and I. Uh, the world waited for this Savior uh, in a womb of a woman. So he was born of a woman, and he was a natural representative for us. And he was a perfect representative. No sin, never had any sin, so he's a perfect representative. And all the miracles that he did, just as some of the miracles, uh, again, this is his normal lifestyle, turn water into wine, heal the sick, the lame, the blind, the deaf. Actually, he healed any physical dysfunction. Anything physical, no, no matter what it was, it was, it, it was healed. He had a big thing about healing bodies. If you go through any of the Gospels, you'll see, and he healed them all, and he healed them all, and he healed them all. He went from village to village healing. And he cast out devils, had total authority over the devils, caused a tree, cursed the tree, and it died, stopped a severe storm, walked on water. He could read minds. In other words, he could perceive others' thoughts. He quoted Old Testament scriptures or prophecy, and they came alive. Prophecies that were prophesied hundreds of years back, they came alive right before the eyes of the very people he was speaking to. He raised the dead, and he even got money from a fish's mouth to pay the taxes. Now, that's the way to pay taxes. Nothing in this world stopped him. Nothing in this world stopped him. 
But as a true man, he also became tired, he became thirsty, he was hungry, he was ang- he became angry. Uh, not in the way we think of anger, but he had a righteous anger, we know that. He was compassionate, he was humble, he became exhausted, and he bled, and he died. He was also a man. Now, just going back to a couple of the, of the miracles, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, we're all familiar with that. There's also feeding of the 4,000. But, you know, if you, uh, the, the Bible says that uh, the 5,000, but that's not including men and women. Women and children, sorry. Um, so let's just say half of them were married. So that'd be another 2,500, that's 7,500. And let's say that of those that were married, let's say they brought one child. Now, this is very conservative. Let's say they brought one child. Now you're up to 10,000. So we have imprinted in our minds over the years uh, 5,000. But actually, in reality, I believe it was at least 10,000, maybe 15,000. What would 15,000 people, that would be the population of the size of Marshall, follow this man around? Isn't that incredible? 15, not 500. 15, 10, 15,000 people. Has he done these remarkable things? You know, he went from, uh, as I said before, he went from village to village. And, you know, I, I believe what he wanted to do, he wanted to go from village to village very quietly, go to the synagogue, do a little teaching, kind of straighten things out a little bit, you know, but he went to the Jews first. He said, I'm going to the nation of Israel first. And he would go into the synagogues and teach. And I think he could do his healing and he wanted to go to the next town. But it didn't work that way. It was so tremendously powerful what he did that they heard from other towns and here they started to come. Pretty soon you got a throng of 10,000, 15,000 people. And so, you know, they obviously they ended up in a remote place. It's getting late, it's getting dark, they're getting hungry. And of course he feeds them. That's just one of the miracles. <clears throat> and it's something always to keep in mind. You know, we pray for healing. We're learning about healing. We have a healing service, uh, you know, about four or five times a year. Just keep this in mind. He healed everybody. Jesus healed everybody that asked. The only ones that didn't get healed is the, one that, the ones that were offended by him. They didn't like it. I wouldn't heal them either. I mean, if they don't want to get healed, they're not going to get healed. It's that simple. But he couldn't, he can heal, he, he, he would do that too. He was that loving, kind, generous. So he went from village to village, and, he, and, he, and the Bible says over and over, and he healed them all. And also about his kingdom, he declared that his kingdom was forever, and it was for anyone who believed in him, and he told many parables to explain his kingdom. Common stories, the parables were just common stories explaining spiritual realities. If we want to put that first one up there in Mark chapter 4, uh, the parable of the sower and the seed, that's probably his most famous, if you will. Uh, actually, the most, he told the, he told the uh, disciples, that if you don't get this one, uh, you're going to have trouble getting the next one. So get this one down. And, and so this is the one where uh, he began to teach by the lake. And I'm going to paraphrase that goal here. As a farmer sowed his seed, scattered the seed around, and the birds came and ate it up. Verse 5, some fell in rocky places, didn't have much soil, it sprang up quick. The soil was shallow, 
The sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Seven other seed fell among the thorns. Thorns <coughs> grew up with the weeds, choked the plants, and it couldn't bear any grain. And still others fell in good soil that produced 30, 30 60, 100 fold. And so <coughs> on this, <coughs> if you want to continue on that, uh, there you go. And now he went, when he was alone with the 12, he told them, the secret to the kingdom has given, been given to you. Now all the rest of them here in parables, they couldn't under, he told them all the inner secrets that he had about these parables. But he's going he's gonna to tell them, don't you understand this parable? He talked to the farmer sows a seed, and now he's talking about real people and not seeds. And he says, some people are like a seed along the path where the word is sown. You throw out the seed, and they hear it, and Satan takes it away immediately. These, people, these are people that never receive the word of God. Never, everyone doesn't do that. It just doesn't get any root at all. And the next one, it goes in rocky places, and there's a little bit of soil there, and they receive it with joy. Oh, isn't that wonderful? But then it has no root, and in pretty soon a short time, persecution, trouble in this life, desire for other things, choke the word, and it doesn't, come, it, 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 it doesn't bear any fruit. And still others, like the thorns, uh, you know, grows up with them, so we, we know that too many plants take up too many nutrients out of the soil, and pretty soon you're not getting the full, rich uh, nutrient of the Word of God, and other things <coughs> come in, uh, deceitfulness of wealth, riches, desire of other things, and again, they choke the word and make it unfruitful. And the other is like falling on good ground. That's people that listen, hear, want to hear the word of God, and want to, want to put it to fruition in their life, and they in turn uh, produce, and that's your believers. That's the ones that are going to follow Christ. And so this is basically what Jesus was doing when he demonstrated his kingdom and talked about his kingdom. Now the next phase is entering the kingdom or the invitation into his kingdom. It wouldn't have made any sense for him to come to earth and just kind of snoop around and see who's going to go to heaven here. Who can I pick here to, to take back with me? That wasn't his attitude at all. He came to save everyone. He wanted everyone to be saved. So his invitation is shown up in many places in Scripture. Uh, let's look at, uh, <clears throat> Heath, I'm going to skip one here. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Uh, we're going to re- read 1 through 3. <clears throat> oh, everyone that thirsts, uh, come to the waters. He that has no money, come to buy and eat. Buy wine, milk, without money, without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. A direct invitation. This one here is a good one, too. It's also in Isaiah. Uh, It's in uh, Isaiah chapter 1, 1 through 19. And this is a vision that Isaiah, the son of Amos, which uh, he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah. Uh, These are the following kings at that time. He said, hear, O heavens. Now, this was a vision from the Lord. This is the Lord speaking. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. This means everybody, heaven and earth. 
Give, listen to this, for Jehovah has spoken. I have nursed and brought up children. This is the nation of Israel, and they have rebelled against me. And the ox knows its owner, and the ass his master's crib. In other words, the ox and the donkey, they know where they should go. They know where to get food. They know where, to, they know where the trough is there. They know where their shelter is. But Israel doesn't even know that. My people don't even, uh, doesn't even consider that. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity and a seed of evil. Evildoers, children that deal corruptly, this is again the nation of Israel, they have forsaken Jehovah, they have dis- despised the Holy One of Israel, they have estranged and gone backward. Why, uh, why will you not still be stricken that you revolt more and more? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. And from the sole of the foot unto the head there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and fresh stripes, they have not, have not been closed. In other words, they're not healing. They're, 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 not, they're still bound up. Um, they're not even uh, uh, smoothed over with oil or, or any kind of treat, ointment of any kind. Your country's desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devout. Your presence and is desolate, is overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion, again, that's Israel, is left as a booth and a vineyard and as a lodge and a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. In other words, uh, that's like a guard shack, a booth or a lodge, a guard shack in the vineyard. When the vineyard was empty, you didn't need anybody there. The guard shack was empty. The same with uh, um, the garden of cucumbers. Except Jehovah uh, of hosts has left unto you a very small remnant we should have been as Sodom and Gomorrah. We should have been like, you know, remember Sodom and Gomorrah, they were burned with fire because of their deep, deep sin. Hear the word of, hear the word of Jehovah. Again, remember, this is an invitation. It doesn't sound like it yet. You rulers of Sodom. Now, he's talking to them like they're the same as Sodom and Gomorrah. They could be burned with fire also. He says, what, uh, what unto me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says Jehovah? I have had enough of your burnt offerings and of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bulls, of lambs, and he goats. When you come to appear before me, who has, tra- uh, uh, who has required this at your hand to trample my courts, why do you do this? Why do you just come into my temple uh, like it's an everyday thing? Bring no more vain ob- oblations. Incest is an abomination to me, you burning incest. New moon, Sabbath, all these religious things you do, the calling of assemblies. I cannot away with iniquity. This is Salome, I can't stand anymore. You new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates, and they are troubling to me. I am weary of bearing them. And when you spread forth your hands, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. And uh, you with your many prayers, I'm not, you're not, I'm not going to hear it. Your hands are full of blood. In other words, the sin that you, you know, blood will stain, and the sin that you've committed is going to be stained. It's going to hang on to you. In other words, the sins that you have, they're hanging on to you. You're not getting rid of them. Wash you, make you clean, put you away the evil of your doings before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek justice, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless. Here's his invitation coming. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says Jehovah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be as red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So of that dissertation that, that Jehovah gave Isaiah in that, in that vision, there was a severe warning, but there was also a welcoming with love invitation into his kingdom.
<clears throat> now we're going we're gonna to look at a, another invitation in the New Testament. We can go to Hebrews 10, uh, 16 through 23. <clears throat> this is a little more... Well, we're in the New Covenant now. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Says the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart and upon their mind also will I write them. In other words, the Jewish nation had all their laws. They had all their external laws. You could do every one of them. You could celebrate the Sabbaths, the new moons, uh, restricted foods, uh, activities, when to do this, when to do that. All these 613 laws, if you will, you could do that all with a wicked heart. You could do all that with an evil heart. It could be just an outside religious ceremony. That's what he was talking about. We were reading back in Isaiah chapter 1. But he says, now I'm going to write them in their heart and in their minds. The Holy Spirit in you as a believer, now you know God's ways. You know what he wants. You know what pleases him. You know what he wants you to stay away from. And so he's writing them on our hearts and on our minds. And their sins, their iniquities, I will remember no more. Seriously. That's amazing. Now, where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. In other words, there's no other, no offering going to be made again. He's not going to go to the cross again. It's over. There's nothing ever in eternity that he is ever going to do again. It's done. It's done once. It's over. I ministered to a man here a couple of years ago. This lady had called me, and uh, it was his brother. And uh, so I sat with him and talked to him for a while. And he was just deeply, deeply troubled. And I said, well, what, what's troubling you? And he said, well, the Lord told me that I had to go into a dark room, shut off all the light for three days. And when I did this, I was going to repent of my sin, and I had to get every sin out, and I had to go into deep remorse and deep repentance. And then I could come out. And then I'd have to live this super holy life. I mean, I was just kind of shocked. I said, well, where, where did you get this? Well, I was watching TV. I was watching this program. So I told him, I said, you know, that, first of all, it's a lie. We know that. Just by verses like this, we know this is a lie. The remission of his, the shedding of his blood got rid of all our sin. It's, it's over. It's absolutely done. There's nothing. He could have stayed in that room for 50 days. It wouldn't have made any difference. He could have cut himself. He could have beat himself. He could have, he could have crawled through gravel and nails and broken rocks and glass. and It wouldn't have made any difference. It's all done. It's already done. So there's no more, no more sacrifice to be made. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holy place of the blood of Jesus by the way he dedicated for us. 
In other words, we can walk into the Holy of Holies now. We can walk in the most holy place that in the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant, we're in the New Covenant, bless God, but in the Old Covenant, you better be a priest, and once a year you went in there, and you better have some blood on it with you. Because that's the only thing that's, that gets rid of sin is blood. Now, that was the blood of a bull or, cow or, or, or something, but now we had the blood of Jesus. Did it for all time. Now into a new and living way through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Before they had a big curtain, two foot thick, 60 feet high maybe. You ain't going to get through that thing. Now we can. And his sacrifice of his body for us was that veil. And that veil is, is, is open, that, open that up. And having a great priest over the house of God, that is one priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, forever, let us draw near with a true heart and fullness of faith, <clears throat> having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and having our body washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope that it wavers not, for he is faithful that promised. When we receive this, if you notice, there's two things. Our bodies washed with pure water. We're looking at something here that's body, soul, spirit. There was a lot of washings in the Jewish ceremonies that they had in the Old Covenant. So they understood this. This this letter was written to the Hebrews. They they got that. They got the idea, oh, okay, there's a washing here. But this is a big one. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. See, he was suffering, this gentleman I talked about was suffering from an evil conscience. There's not a person in here who should have an evil conscience. Mm -mm. No, take on the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness. You're not going to have any. He doesn't want you to have an evil conscience. How would you like your children to walk around, you know, and just, you know, I'm just a little scumbag, just a bad little kid. You know, you wouldn't want your kids to be like that. You want your kids to be lifted up, alive, hopeful, healthy, you know, promising. And this is the same thing he wants for us. So, again, we're still at the invitation. That concludes my comments on the invitation. So I hope you can see that. I hope you can, hope you can see the invitation uh, of entering his kingdom. Now, qualifications for entering the kingdom. Let's look at Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 10. <clears throat> Now, we've been studying Ephesians in uh, Tuesday night on Journey to Freedom. And, uh, you know, we just discovered the first three chapters, uh, you know, of Ephesians are, are so amazing. They don't, they don't say one thing about you doing anything other than there's a little verse that says, through faith. Other than that, it's all give, give, give. I've done this, I've done this for you, I've done this, I've done this. First three chapters are amazing. You know, I always said, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't, if you're not a reader, I know there's a lot of people that just don't, don't read the Bible much. But I would suggest learn the book of Ephesians, frontwards and backwards, and take one gospel, maybe John or maybe Luke, any of them. Just take one letter and one gospel and learn them and learn them well. And you'll get freedom, guaranteed. If, it, if you get it downloaded in your heart, you'll get freedom. You know, 
Uh, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to read the Bible and start from, from one end to the other. And that's good. There's no problem there. But if you're, if you're struggling to find something here, this is the way to do it. Read the book of Ephesians. It's, it's just absolutely amazing. <coughs> and here he says, um, this is what we were before. And he did make us alive when we were dead through our trespasses and sins. This is everybody. Wherein you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, which is Satan, power of the air, of the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. He's at work today in the world on us, on everybody. Deceiving, lying, trickery, deception, anything to take us away from the gospel and take the faith in the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ, out of our heart. And all he is, is he's a renegade spirit. He's a renegade fallen angel. He's an outlaw. Destruction, damnation, this is all he's all about. And this is what we all followed, or most of us followed, among whom we also all once lived in the lust of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest but God, being rich in mercy, and for his great love, whereas he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses. Now, this is amazing right here. This, this, this just is the gospel right here. He made us alive with Christ. Little parentheses, by grace you've been saved. He did that. You haven't done nothing yet. You haven't done a thing. He just offered that. Um, and raised us up with him. One minute we're dead, and now we're raised up. He made us to sit with him in the heavenly places. I mean, he didn't take us some place where we got to get right. He took us right up to heaven. In God's mind, this is the way his stuff works. If he says something's already done, and he already sees it. This is how he sees us in heavenly places, seated with him. Having a bad day, say, hey, I'm seated with Christ in heaven. I'm there. Tell the guy in the red underwear, Leave, dude. You have no nothing over me. Nothing. <clears throat> in Christ Jesus. It's all in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he may show the excreting riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He's just going to show off. He's just going to show off. He's just going to show off. Hey, you got, yeah, look what you got. I, here, look what I got for you guys. This is, this is amazing. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Oh, there's faith. Oh, that requires something of us. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, that's the only thing he tells us right there, through faith. The rest of it's give, 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 grace, 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 grace. So we'd have to have faith. Um, whoops, put it back one more time, Keith, sorry. Um, for grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Grace is a gift of God. Um, every man can give it a, given a measure of faith. Everybody, I'm going to get over here because I, I, I'm probably blocking you guys from seeing that. Um, so every man's been given a measure of faith. We just need to use it. We have to learn what it is. Faith is the evidence of things not seen or not perceived with our natural senses. It's a gift. Not of works, no man uh, should glory or no man can boast. 
we cannot boast about this because we didn't do anything about it. He just saved us. And we just accept it. And we just receive it. We can't brag about nothing. Somebody comes up to you and says, what makes you so special? Who do you think you are because you're a Christian? I'll tell you who, what, I, what I think. Look at Jesus. Don't look at me. I'm just a recipient of his love. That's all. I've done nothing. I just believe. You can believe too. Nothing to it. For we are his workmanship. We're his little crafted children, workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God before prepared that we should walk in them. When we're created in Christ Jesus, to stretch that a little further, we are in him. You are now complete in him. He's not over there, and you're trying to please him by being good, by being bad, by pleading, by asking for this, and and begging, and all that. No, you're already part of him. See, you're a child. You're, 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 not, you're, you're not a servant anymore. You're, you're a son and not a, not a servant. You're living in the house. You're not li- living out in the bunkhouse. And you know what's going on with the father. You know, it isn't like every day you've got to give orders uh, like, like the hired hand. No, you're in the house. But now you're sons that serve. You still serve. He wants us to serve one another. He's, he did that. He said, I didn't come to condemn. I came to serve. I didn't come to lord over you. I came to serve. So we're sons and daughters. And when we say sons, of course, that includes the girls, obviously, because in Christ there's no male, no female. We know that. So when we say men, you know, sons, we mean everyone, male or female. I think the next one is um, in Titus. Is that right? Titus 3, 3 through 7, For also we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy. <clears throat> Terrible way to live. Hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love toward man appeared, not by his works done in righteousness, not by our works done in righteousness. You know, if we do enough righteous, let's just say that we're just, we're just, pristine, super-duper righteous. Luann, like, like you are. Super-duper, you know, not a fault wrong with you, you know. And, and you could just keep getting better and better at that and just, you know. And Mike says, oh, man, I tell you, my wife is the most holiest little thing you've ever seen. But, you know, you could keep gaining and gaining, and it's going to do you a bit of good. Your righteousness is a filthy rags. You know that. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, you wear that. Hallelujah. We all do. That's ours. Hallelujah. But when the kindness of, love, of, of God, our Savior, and his love toward us appeared, not by our righteous works, which uh, we did for ourselves, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man. Something to live by. <clears throat> well, we're talking about, the, we're at the stage of qualifications right now. and we can't Obviously, we can't go without this one. John 3. 1 through 18. 
<clears throat> where this is a story, I'm going to just to save time here. There is a there is a, uh, a leader of the, the Jews, a teacher, a rabbi, if you will, he came to Jesus at night, Nick at night, and he didn't want to be uh, exposed by you know the other his other fellow Jews because he was asking some real serious questions to Jesus and he didn't want to be betraying his Jewish faith, if you will. And so uh, he says, I'm going to go right down to three. Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except one be born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God or born again. And then Nicholas says unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? And how can he enter uh, the second time into his mother's womb? Obviously natural thinking on, on Nicodemus's part. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, except one be born of water and the spirit, and water we mean probably the natural birth channel. That's commonly thought of, the natural birth channel. You're not going to... You're not going to get the spirit if you haven't been born, right? So, I mean, you've got to be born physically, all right? So, if you, and if you, now, if you're, you're born of the, the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Is that clear? I mean, that's pretty clear. So, you must be born again. What church do you go to? Oh, uh, well, I go to this. Uh, so, you know, we believe this. You know what? If you don't believe you need to be born again, you might as well, you might as well walk out Jesus said that. That's not anything this church or that church. or that. Jesus said that. Jesus said you must be born again. He said that which is flesh is flesh. That takes care of itself. That which is born of the spirit is, is, is spirit. And I said, now this is key. You know, don't go to sleep on me yet. Okay? This is so key here. He says, don't marvel at this, because if I said this unto you, because you must be born again. The wind blows where it will, will and, and you, hear the, you hear the wind, but you don't know where it goes or where it comes from. In other words, a spiritual thing. <clears throat> so you and I are not going to perceive that with our natural functions. You know, sight, sound, or, uh, you know, uh, taste, smell, hear, see, whatever. It's but it's there. You take it by faith. And so he actually explains this a little bit more because, you know, I always like to tell, I always wanted to tell Jesus, you know, if you're going to be born again, how about if we just, every one of us just fall down, about a thousand angels come and fly around you for a week. I mean, you're just, uh, you know, about three feet off the ground for a couple months. I mean, I know I'm born again now. I mean, but Again, he, t- he wants us to take it by faith. Just believe his word. That's all he's asking for is believe his word. <clears throat> um, and, uh, okay, let's continue on that. And no one has. Next one, Heath. Or, okay. No one's ascended to heaven, but he that descended out of heaven, he is the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now here's your key. Whoever believes in him. He already, he already said about being born of the Spirit. How do you get born of the Spirit? You believe. It's just that simple. 
uh, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not the Son into the world to judge the world or condemn the world, but the world should be saved through him. Saved through him. He came to save. And he that believes in him is not judged. Hallelujah, we're not judged. He that believes has not been judged already. He that believes not, he's been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the Son of God, the only begotten Son. <clears throat> one, more, one last thing. We, we, we have to touch on this as far as the qualifications, then we're going to just finish with living in, living in the kingdom. But Romans 10, um, Romans 10, 8 through 13. If you're, still, if you're still in a little doubt about being born again, what does that mean, being born of the Spirit, here it is. Well, what, what saith it? The, the word is nigh unto thee. It's that close to you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach. The word of faith, the word of faith. You know, the word of faith, some of you are familiar with the word of faith movement that came, you know, up in the 50s, came and roared in the 70s and on up, you know. It's gotten a bad rap, you know, because they talked about confession. You can have what you say, you know, and, and it got out of hand. We get all that. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but, but there it is. It's the word of faith. It's got to be, if it's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. Jesus said that. Whatever's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. It's just, that's just the way it's going to be. So if you're a believer, it's going to come out of your mouth. You're going to say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. With a believing heart. <clears throat> if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For Scripture says, whoever believes on him should not be put to shame. Very clear. Very clear about our call, or, uh, how to enter into that kingdom that Jesus talked about when he came to earth. So there are qualifications to enter the kingdom. We're going to wrap this up with living in the kingdom. I'm not gonna, we're not going to put this up here, but 1 Corinthians 6.11 says that we have been washed. Now that you believe, now that you did these things that we just had on the screen there. Now you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. That's your situation right now as a believer. All right, we're going to wrap up with Ephesians 1, uh, 17 through 23. The roast is still cooking, I hope. <clears throat> that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Have the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of glory and his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to that working of the strength of his might which he wrought in Christ. In other words, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that's in you right now. Oh, victorious Christian, that's in you right now. That's what the Bible says, okay? When he raised him up from the dead, made him to sit at his right hand, talking about Jesus in the heavenly places, far above all rule. In other words, he's the highest of the highest. And authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world that's to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, to us, 
You, the body, you're part of Christ now. You're complete in him. He gave it to us, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So in other words, you have the fullness of Christ right now. It's in your spirit. What we got to do is get it up. You know, we always talk about, well, I got it up here, but I, I need to get it down here. No, it's already in your spirit. This is what he's been talking about. We got to get it up here. The Bible talks renewing your mind, right, with the word of God. It doesn't say renew your spirit. It says renew your mind with the word of God. Okay, all this, um, all, all rule, you know, we use it, we were praying this morning, we use the name of Jesus. We already use the name of Jesus. Amen? Blessed be God forevermore. We can use his name. It's a powerful name. Start using his name. It's a powerful name. Okay, I think the last one is Ephesians chapter 2. And see, this is it's like I was telling you before, these first three chapters of Ephesians. It's just, it just, it's just amazing. For now in Christ Jesus, you've, you that once were far off have been made nigh into the blood of Christ because of the blood of Jesus. For he is our peace. Uh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. That's in Isaiah 53, 54, right in there. I, I, always, have to, I always have to bring this up. One time I was mowing, I can tell you exactly where I was when we were mowing. And that verse just popped out. I was just, <laughs> the chastisement of my peace or your peace was upon him was upon Jesus on the cross. So the punishment for your peace, not having peace with God, was put on him. And right now we're free. For he is our peace who made both one and broke down the middle wall of partition, having abolished in the flesh the enmity or the, the, the uh, uh, what's the word I want? The separation, if you will. Even the laws of commandments contained in ordinances that he might create it himself of the two, one new man, that's you mean, Jews, Gentiles, it doesn't make any difference what religion you were, this one here, making peace that he might reconcile them both in one body unto Christ through the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to them that were nigh, for through him we both have access in one spirit unto the Father. We have access to the spirit of our holy God. The Bible says he was one with God, is one spirit with him. Okay? So you're no more strangers and sojourners. You're not wandering around. Sam said that this morning, you know, in worship. You know, we're not foreigners anymore. We're in. Your fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God being built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, everything they preached about for centuries and centuries, it was all built on Christ. Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom every, every each several building fitly framed together. Now he, he looks at us like we're all like a building block, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. So we today, as believers, can habitate in God in the Spirit. And this is the king and his kingdom, and how he's taken this down uh, from his appearance as a man on the earth to where we sit today, alive in the Spirit of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, this is uh, an, an endless story.
it, it just doesn't even end with your word. We know it goes on and on and on. Lord, help us to see, just like that prayer was, that give us the spirit of revelation of what has been shown today in your word, Lord God, how it's alive and living, and it captures us. And Lord, you want us forever. You want us with you. Otherwise, you would not have paid such a tremendous and costly sacrifice by shedding your blood for us. Lord, let us walk out here today with this downloaded in our heart, captivated, put everything in its place, knowing that we are living in your fullness. Lord, we thank you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.